Welcome to the Knobcast. Thank you for dropping by. This is where we simplify Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mary Victoria, and this podcast is sponsored by Bitknob. Bitknob is an easy-to-use app where you can automatically save, borrow, earn, send, and receive Bitcoin all in one place at the cheapest rates. Download Bitknob, B-I-T-N-O-B, from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store using the links in the show notes. Or visit the website at bitnob.com. That's B-I-T-N-O-B dot com. In this episode, we're here to take you down the path of an iconic period in Bitcoin history. On October 31st, 2008, Satoshi Nakamoto published the Bitcoin White Paper. And if you love this podcast, feel free to send us a boost on Fountain.fm. Fountain.fm is a platform where you can support your favorite podcast by sending Bitcoin via the Lightning Network. To send us a boost, just tap on the Thunderbolt icon next to the podcast name on Fountain.fm. So buckle your seatbelt, subscribe to the podcast, drop a review, and without further ado, let's cue the intro. So let's get into the Bitcoin white paper. All right. October 31st, 2008. That's when Satoshi Nakamoto published the Bitcoin white paper. And from the very beginning of the Bitcoin white paper, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto described Bitcoin as a purely peer-to-peer version of electronic cash which would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. And this, my friends, literally sums up what Bitcoin has been doing for the past 13 years. Now, we know that whenever you make a Bitcoin transaction, it is completely between yourself and the person you're sending or receiving Bitcoin from that simple. There is no third party involved. The bank, the government, nobody gets to put their nose in your business. But how does this actually work? How does how does Bitcoin keep everything safe and secure? Now, this is how Bitcoin works. Let's say that you want to buy a pair of sneakers from somebody, right? Let's call this person Al. So you want to buy a pair of sneakers from Al. What happens is that in the normal system, to traditional system, what happens is you probably go to Al and use your credit card to pay. And when you use your credit card or your debit card um, to pay for that transaction, what happens is that you're involving the bank in this transaction. Instead of the transaction being between you and Al, it's now between you, your bank, and then Al. So in order to eliminate the third party, which in this case is the bank, the only way you could do that with the conventional system is to pay Al in cash. But what if this is an online transaction? What if Al is several miles away and the only way you could pay him is electronically? Using cash will be totally impossible. You can't use physical cash to make that payment. So you have to go through a digital channel. And in this case, you have to involve the bank. But with Bitcoin, it's totally different. When you send your Bitcoin to the seller, in this case, Al, 
The transaction is digitally signed with a hash. Now, the hash is more like a unique identifier of this transaction. That's how you don't have more than one of the same transaction. And that, my friend, solves the double spending problem. Now, double spending is a problem that was seen with a lot of digital tokens. What double spending actually is, is where let's say you have $5 worth of a digital token. There is nothing that proves that once you've spent that digital token on something, you can't spend the same token on another thing. Meaning using that one $5 digital token twice for two separate $5 transactions. So there wasn't a way to control this from happening. And that's where Bitcoin solves the problem. So with that double spending problem at hand when it comes to digital cash transactions, how Bitcoin solves this problem is that when a transaction is made with Bitcoin, that transaction is publicly announced to everyone in a network and all the members of the network then agree on that transaction. To prove that that transaction was generated, the Bitcoin network uses a distributed timestamp server. Now, the Bitcoin network runs on a distributed system of computers, or in this case, nodes, process these transactions. These nodes are located in different countries all over the world. And when a transaction is made with Bitcoin, copies of that same transaction is then distributed to all the nodes all over the world, and that makes the system more secure. So it's literally impossible for one person who wants to alter the details of the transaction to destroy the records of this transaction in literally hundreds and thousands of computers all over the world. Because all these hundreds and thousands of computers have the same record of that transaction. So deleting one record from one of the computers doesn't automatically delete the record in another and another and another. Now, the timestamp that I mentioned earlier provides a proof of this data. So the data must have obviously existed at a particular time, and every timestamp that exists has to include the previous timestamp in its hash. This is what strengthens the security. So what this actually means is that let us say that you bought a pair of sneakers from Al at 5 p.m., that time, the time of that transaction is written in the timestamp. And let's say three days later, you make another transaction with Al. Maybe you bought shoelaces. What happens is that the previous transaction is then linked with the new transaction. So if anyone tries to alter the, the transaction in the link, it will always reflect in that chain. Every timestamp includes the previous timestamp in its hash. So what that means is that a Bitcoin transaction is literally extremely secure. It makes it so difficult for anyone to tamper with the records on the blockchain, which is literally where all the records of transactions are stored. Doesn't that make Bitcoin super awesome? And if not for the amazing genius of Satoshi Nakamoto, 
we probably wouldn't have been able to experience such secure, decentralized transactions like the ones we do with Bitcoin. Super cool, right? So I wanted to just keep this episode short and sweet and celebrate Bitcoin White Paper Day. Of course, there are a lot of other things that were mentioned in the Bitcoin White Paper, and I'm going to drop a link to the Bitcoin White Paper itself in the show notes and also a link to an article um, that we published on the Bitnal blog on four things that the Bitcoin white paper says about Bitcoin, just as an added reference to what you heard today. So thank you so much for listening. Happy Bitcoin white paper day, and I'll see you in the next episode.